Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. first episode of um, Tell Me Your Tales. This episode is with Josh Harris. Josh is one of the best Australian long distance runners getting around. He's a uh, multiple state medalist. He's a Australian representative. He's a 220 marathoner. He's got an awesome PB over 10K, 29 and a half minutes, 5K is really quick as well, kind of 14, 15-ish I think it is. Um, Really good bloke. The concept of this podcast is I just talk to people for an hour, have a bit of a chat. This is the first interview that I've recorded over Skype, so I was busy listening to a a 12-year-old trying to show me how to do that yesterday on YouTube, which is amazing how technology works like that. It is a bit sketchy the first couple minutes in, then the quality is fine after that. So enjoy this chat with Josh Harris. do it josh harris tell us a bit about yourself um yeah so i'm a 26 year old runner from down from launceston in tasmania um started running when i was uh, about 11 years old and i've kind of progressed up through the ranks since there yeah what distances did you start off running uh when i was a when i was a young kid i started lilats and i did i did everything did all the events but um bit more success in the 800 meters and then from there um, kind of progressed up into the um, to the next ranks and tried out um, the steeplechase and things like that um, probably as a 14 15 year old kid I found my most success in the steeple and I was I was quite good at it so got a couple of Tassie records a um, couple of national medals and things like that and then over time I guess I've uh, probably just gradually moved up in distance um, up to the marathon today, but for probably five or six years there, um, probably finished every season with a different event that I'd probably call my pet event. So it hasn't been all just kind of 1500 straight up to the marathon. It's kind of been a lot of distances in between and um, quite a few races, but now I probably consider myself a marathoner. Um, would be close to my best event yeah it's an interesting one isn't it and your versatility on the australian distance running scene is um 
you know, pretty impressive. You've run a really quick mile this year off the back of a pretty decent 10K, which was off the back of a pretty good marathon at Berlin last year, and you're about to have another crack at a marathon next weekend. So why is it that you think you're so versatile? Um, I, I think I think my training's quite balanced. I've always tried to not neglect anything. Um, and I've you know as I grew up I found that I progressed and got better every single year and that wasn't just limited to one event that was kind of over everything Uh, and then so probably since I've kind of been 23 24 25 and 26 although I'm not kind of getting those progressions from getting older I found that um, increasing my mileage still hasn't limited um, how much I get better over pretty much every distance so last year I ran 5K, 10K PBs in marathon training and um, for me I haven't found that point where um, the more miles kind of slow me down. Um, but I guess it has has been a little bit of a different focus at times this season. As you said, I did the 10K PB and then I started focusing kind of more around the miles for a couple of weeks. Um, so... I kind of, I kind of guess I'm always not too far away from being able to run whatever distance um, quick. I just need to kind of tune up a little bit, um, depending on what that distance is. Yeah, beautiful. So just before we get too heavy, do you want to give the listeners a bit of an insight into your PBs, just to kind of understand the level of athlete you are? So maybe start at fifteen hundred and work up to the marathon. Yeah, um, so I'll start at 800 because I'm pretty happy with that one. Yeah, all right, go um, for it. I've run a 154, 800. Have you? Uh, so that's probably better than my 1500. Yeah, I've ran that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, then 3K, 8.14, 5K, 14.17, steeplechase, 9.04, 10K, 29.42, half marathon, 65.51, and 220 for the marathon. Um, a few of those I definitely know I could take a bit off in the right race. But, yeah, which ones? Um, definitely the 5K and the 10K, I think. Um, I also think the half and the marathon need to be um, rewritten as well. Yeah. Um, my half was really good at the time, but you know it's two and a half years on now, and I think I could probably take a minute off that if I got the same kind of day. So, and that was up in the Gold Coast? Yep. Third, great third Gold overall? Coast. You finished third that, that day? I was happy with that day. Sorry, you finished third, didn't you? Was that? Yeah, yeah, I finished third that day and pretty much everything went right. Um, the kind of day that if I had it um, now, I feel like that would be, yeah, as I said, probably another minute quicker. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, you've always been a Tassie boy? Yeah, yeah, so grew up in Launceston and um, still here, so um, there's been a lot of training partners that have come and gone over the years, but um, I'm still still here, still living at home, uh, around the same environment, so yeah, it's been pretty constant, and Launceston's a great place to run. There's so many, so many trails here, um, flat, hilly, all within a few K, so you can kind of get what you want out of out of the environment here which is which is good i like it yeah and what about what are the some of the major like road races you've been in around australia uh well in tassie 
like as you know, we've got we've got quite a few of the the biggest ones. So it's great that we can get the elite guys from um, the rest of Australia to come down pretty frequently. We've got the Launceston Ten, uh, Bernie Ten, Run the Bridge Ten K. Um, around Australia, I've I haven't really done a whole heap of the big fun runs. Gold Coast's one that I try to get to every year. Um, I've done Adelaide Marathon, a couple of fun runs in Melbourne, um, nothing too significant. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in Tassie that um, kind of focus on, which has been good. Yeah, I was talking to the boys last week about that. Like, imagine if every state had three major, like, road races like Tassie does. It'd be, um, it'd be so good for the sport. Yeah, for sure. That's... Um, you know, there are a couple that you kind of look at on the calendar, but as a runner, you know, you got to just look at what fits in. And being with so many of the big fun runs in Tassie, um, you know, it often means that we don't have to travel too far for, for a lot of our road races, especially the 10Ks and stuff. Yeah. And do you want to maybe just speak about um, last Sunday, Run the Bridge? Tell us a bit about your day and how it went. Yep. Yeah, so... Um, Run the bridge in the past. I've had some pretty decent runs there. It's it's quite a hilly course. Um, I'd probably say you know I might be 30 seconds slower than a than a really fast flat one. But because I'm in marathon training, I uh, decided to kind of use it as a bit of a long run slash um, session. So I ended up doing a 9k warm up jog and then a 10k tempo at marathon pace, which is which was about 32 minutes 50, and then um, had a quick drink, jogged up to the start line, and then did the race, and um, finished in 31.04, which I was quite happy with, because I put a 3.42k um, up on the fourth k, so I slackened off a bit there, and although it was very hilly. Yeah, that was that, that uphill, pain, wasn't it? But I still, I still think I lost a good 10 seconds there um, in effort, and I got to the top, and I thought, oh no, I should be running a bit quicker. So finished off really strongly and felt good. So yeah. pretty, pretty happy with, fairly happy with that considering um, the Kaiser had in the legs before the race started. Yeah, and that was off a month at Falls Creek. Do you want to just tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, been up to Falls Creek since I won the Cadbury Marathon in January. So um, I kind of came back from the, the mile and stuff that I did a, quite a bit out of marathon shape. So I kind of needed to get up to Falls Creek and the altitude there to, to get me in shape. So I had four weeks up there, um, averaged pretty close to 230Ks a week, which is the biggest block I've, I've been able to do. And the body's been really good, haven't missed a beat really. So, you know, you, you never when you go up to somewhere at altitude, the quality of training is just a little bit different. You can't hit the same time. So... You're just kind of trusting in the process and hoping that you'll come back in good shape um, rather than trying to to hit every session at a particular time to show yourself that you're fit. Yeah, right. And um, you did a lot of that by yourself up there. How does that kind of go? I know I've been up there, you know, three weeks before and it's kind of you get a bit of cabin fever and just want to come back down. But um, how did a month go? Yeah, so the first... Um, Almost two weeks, I was up there with people, um, so that was good. I still did a bit of running on my own just because of the nature of my program compared to 
the elite guys that are running 5k 10k stuff um, so I had a bit of a mix of running on my own and running with the group the first couple of weeks from there I kind of just had to had to focus in and and get the job done and I really I really didn't mind it I'm not someone who gets bored easily um, so I was able to just keep keep getting it done um, and I did that and being from Tassie as I said before it can get a bit isolated at times so I am used to training a fair bit on my own anyway and but I do think when you get to the end of your altitude stint doesn't matter how long you've been up there the last three or four days you always start to count down the training and and just want to get yourself back home yeah yeah for sure and you spoke a bit about uh Hobart Marathon just before you went up there yeah ha- had a bit of a train and run and picked out the win yeah yeah so um as part of my marathon training I've, I've been able to pick up three three wins so far and I, I like to I like to use a, a marathon as a training run just to see where I'm at um to also kind of um help me for my next marathon race and went into Cadbury marathon in Hobart um quite a bit out of shape for the marathon I would have said but um the way I felt on the day there I was quite pleased with considering and I think it gave me a good starting block to um, the last six or eight weeks of training that I've had. Yeah, and before Berlin in 2016, you ran Adelaide, same thing, yep. went over there, 2.24? Yeah, 2.24 in Adelaide, and you know, I know the Garmin's always measure the marathon courses a little bit differently, but that's the longest one that I've clocked as well, so um, I was pretty happy to run 2.24 in that Adelaide one, feeling as good as I did, but... Uh, didn't quite run the time that I wanted in Berlin, um, which would have been nice. But yeah, to get a to get a win in Adelaide was was really good. Yeah, where do you find that fine line about you know you, you're going to run a marathon hard as a training run? Do you sit at heart rate, or have you got a pace pre worked out, or you know how do you just bang out a two twenty four as a training run? Yeah, I like to like to negative split them. Um, I find. I find I can always be in control if I go out pretty comfortably. And I think we we're on about 2.33, 2.34 pace in Adelaide early on. Um, and actually had a Japanese guy on his honeymoon that was a 2.22 guy. So I wasn't really expecting it. But we ended up going through halfway in 73 minutes. And I was like, well, okay, well, it's going to be under 2.26 today then. But um, luckily enough, I still felt really good. And that last half just kind of focused a little bit on heart rate and a little bit on pace as well. Um, trying to hit around marathon pace, but try and keep the heart rate in control as well. And both of them on that day were, were pretty good. Um, and in, in my Cadbury marathon I did, I kind of focused on a mixture of pace and heart rate, um, depending on where the wind was. Into the headwind, I like to just work on the heart rate, whereas into the tailwind, I kind of tried to focus on that pace a little bit more. And what kind of heart rate are you sitting at? Um, for the training runs, I've tend tend to be around one sixty ish, maybe a tad below. Um, Cadbury, I think, was one fifty four, one fifty five. But um, when I get to race day, I found that I can hold close to one seventy. Yeah, right. Awesome. And then um, before you went to Japan, you did Melbourne. What was that, 2015, when you yep. paced Jess Trengrove? Yeah. Um, and again, what was that, 227? 
Yeah, 2.27. So um, leading into that Fukuoka marathon that I did, I, I did Ross Marathon in Tassie where I won in 2.33. And, you know, I was in a lot better shape seven weeks later when Melbourne came around and went around in 2.27. And that felt felt really good as well. Um, so then since then, Adelaide was another step on top of that with the 2.24. And... Cadbury, I went in not as good shape, so you know I didn't expect to really go under 2:30, but I think I still ended up with a 2:28. So I've got to the point now where I can run in the 2:20s pretty easily, but um, the main objective is trying to get under 2:20 when I'm really having a crack at it. Yeah, and this will like obviously you've got the Lake Biwa Marathon this coming weekend. It's uh, what the 5th of March, I think it is. Yep. Um, this would be the fifth kind of fair income marathon you've had a crack at, yeah? So like Sydney, yep. Fukuoka, Rotterdam, Berlin, and now Biwa. Yep. Um, we'll start from the start. Sydney, what was that, 2014 or something? 2013 I did. Yeah. Um, I had a – for me at the time, I thought everything had went perfect in the, in the preparation. I kind of had pretty ambitious dreams to – to go out and break 2.20 first up. Um, you know, at worst, I wanted to break 2.25, and I just wasn't feeling how how I wanted to feel from very early on, and things went pear-shaped at about the 28K mark and hit the wall and had a very, very tough run into the finish. But, you know, I learned a lot from that, and I, probably, I was probably doing a lot, probably too many sessions around... Um, 5k pace and I hadn't probably done enough long running at marathon pace and so kind of adapted that into my into my next marathon preparations um, when I eventually went back and decided I wanted to run marathons so um, although the debut didn't go as planned as I said I learnt a bit and probably after my run in Rotterdam as well where I where I blew up um, kind of realised that okay, it's not necessarily um, all about that five and ten k training that I'd fixed up and I'd started to master the marathon. You've got to really um, be aware of how you're feeling as well. Because, because you had Fukuoka in between, though, didn't you? Sydney, yeah, and, right, yeah, yeah. So I kind of got, I kind of got a bit, probably a bit complacent after Fukuoka, thinking, okay, I've got this marathon thing, or this marathon thing covered now, so should be able to go out there and run quick every time but um chased the olympic qualifier in rotterdam and um soon learnt that yeah you, you got to worry about how you're feeling rather than hitting the times as well yeah right because what sydney was 231 first up 231 yep and then to 220 yep and then 228 rotterdam yeah two- 228 in Rotterdam. I went through in went through in 68 and then came home in about an hour 20. So, but you didn't uh, die wondering that day. Like you went there to try and run the qualifier. Yep. And um, yeah, you know, didn't happen. And then that was it, kind of thing. So that was probably not an indication of what kind of shape you were in. Nah, c- certainly not. Because as we've discussed, I can kind of cruise around um, marathons when I've gone out slow in that pace. But yeah, had to had to put it on the line that day yeah. and. Um, I'll probably have to put it on the line a little bit next week as well. Yeah, and hats off to you. Like, that takes guts to go through the half that quick and kind of see what happens. Well, yeah. It's a long uh, way. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, probably the worst hour of my life. <laughs> um, 
it was yeah a lot of pain. Four minute k's are usually pretty comfortable, but they're certainly not um, when you when you found the wall. Yeah, I've been there, done that at Melbourne. It's uh, <laughs> it's shocking, no yeah. fun at all. And then what about Berlin last year? Obviously, I would I hadn't watched it in the box seat, sitting behind you for five yeah. k before you ran off on me. But um, yeah, just tell the listeners about that. Yeah, so went to Berlin, um, hoping to hoping to break two nineteen. Um, things had been, went well in training. Probably only had one little mishap um, about six weeks out, but apart from that, the training went well. Um, so I got over there. W- wanted to run pretty conservatively the first half and bring it home strong. So pretty much sitting right around 2.19 pace the first half, and then um, I think that's about where you and the lead females got up onto, up onto me. And then from there, like, I still felt... Still felt okay, but you know, I just didn't feel how exactly how I wanted to. I've done a lot of training sessions where I've been able to really put the hammer down in the last half, and I know what I feel like when I can do that, and just wasn't quite um, feeling that at you know the 24, 25k mark, and so just kind of slowed up a couple of seconds a k um, through that 20 to 30k mark. Um, when you and I are running together, and um, by that stage, I just kind of started to wander off and think, oh, sub 222 would be a, a pretty decent run. Um, always trying to keep some realistic goals in the mind to kind of keep on track, rather than thinking, oh, let's push for 219 and just getting that negative feedback um, when you've slowed up a bit. But I was able to run okay through 40k. Um, and then my last 2K was actually pretty good. And in the end, I missed my PB by a second. <laughs> so um, kind of came home pretty well and beat the lead female, which was a little bit good for the ego. So yeah, um, it was no, nothing stop. worse than getting beaten by a girl. Yeah. Hats off to her. She ran pretty strong. Oh, they, they really charged through the middle. I wish that I felt good enough to go with it. Mm. Yeah, we, um, yeah, we kind of ran together from that you know 20 to 25 didn't we and it was kind of we almost both went into just survival mode we kind of thought we we're going a bit too quick and then yeah um just made sure that we could get to the finish line i guess yeah we, yeah that's right like at that point i was kind of thinking if i get to 35 feeling like i've got a bit of a kick left but then by the time you get to 35 or well, that day anyway there there wasn't much of that by the time 35 came it was get to 40 <laughs> yeah yeah i know 100 percent know you f- know that feeling um so it's a long way to go to miss your pb you know 12 months after you ran that 220 and then 12 months more work and then to go over to berlin and miss it by uh one second how's that affect like your mental headspace yeah after that race i was kind of left thinking oh like is the marathon like really going to be my distance but when you look back on it I had a pretty decent preparation and I was able to, you know, clock up another win at Adelaide. Um, was able to make that, that 224 pace feel easier again, which I guess that's not a bad thing. I was able to um, break the national 25 and 30K records on the track, which was pretty cool. Um, got bronze in the half marathon nationals on the Gold Coast as well. So... Even though I wasn't able to get my main goal, I still picked up a few things on the way, which kind of kind of made me reflect back and think, yeah, like it's still been a good six months, even though I hadn't put that that 
good time on the board that I that I hope to get soon. It was still pretty. Imp- what did that rank you? Fifth, sixth? What did that rank you for two thousand? Fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So in an Olympic year, like you you're thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. And so I feel like if I can get that qualifying time of two nineteen, then I'm well in the mix to to go to whatever championship it is at the moment. With um, the depth probably not as as strong as it could be at the marathon. So there's an opportunity there, and I feel like. Um, if I run 218.59 um, at Lake Biwa, then I reckon I'm a, a very good chance of going to London. Yeah. So the London World Champs in August? Yep. Yeah. So 2.19 is the qualifier. Yeah. Have you had any indication from Athletics Australia about who's nominated or what you need to do other than that standard 2.19? Yeah. So obviously that's the first thing in my mind. You, if you don't get the time, you can't go. So. Yeah. And and then you can't really you can't control what other people run, so I'll be trying to knock that time off um, first and foremost. But in terms of other guys that have run the time, um, there are Liam Adams, Jeff Hunt, and Michael Shelley so far. I've heard I've heard from pretty reliable sources that at least one of those um, won't be doing worlds. And then I've heard other places that the other two mightn't be either, with the with the Commonwealth Games coming up next year. So, um, you know, while you can't rely on that, I feel like if I'm to run two eighteen, then I'm a fairly good chance to go. Yep. And will that be the plan in the race? Just hit that even pace and kick it home, or go out a bit quicker, or what do you think? Yeah. Well. I- after having done a few marathons, I've always wanted to come home hard, but I haven't been able to, to do that yet. Although conditions in Japan with the colder weather probably should suit that a bit more. But the quickest final half that I've done is probably only just under 71 minutes. So I'm thinking thinking I'll probably go out a little bit harder than what I did in Berlin. Um, and then... That will still be my time goal, but I wouldn't mind banking a couple of seconds up my sleeve, especially because of the way that they run. I'm probably going to be um, on my own for a fair part of the, the last half, so a few seconds in hand wouldn't be bad for when it gets tough um, late in the race. Yeah, and when you say the way that they run, obviously I know exactly what you're talking about, but if people don't know how the Japanese run their um, marathons, do you want to maybe explain that? Yeah, they... I like to go out pretty hard, so um, when I was in Fukuoka a few years ago, um, not one of the people that I was near at halfway got anywhere near me. Um, I think that the closest person to me in overall positions split halfway three minutes ahead of me. So um, if I'm with a group that go through in 68-something next week, then chances are none of them are going to run to our 17. Yeah, right. It's just big dreamers go out and pop. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your marathon preparation. So, like, you'd, yep. you'd have to – and I've picked your brain on this before when I decided to run Berlin, but your training methods are um, pretty extreme, some would say. Yeah. But make like, logistically make a lot of sense um, when you're trying to prepare yourself to run a fast marathon. So maybe do you want to just give us a bit of a what a general week looks like? Yeah. And then we might just say pick like your five craziest sessions you've done leading into a marathon. Yeah, all right. Um, so I probably feel like a lot of people get training for the marathon 
do too much short stuff. Um, like there's certainly a time and a place for that, but I feel like you want to prepare your body to be running for over two hours at a slow pace. Um, it's all well and good to be able to do like one kilometer reps in 240 somethings, but end of the day you're running 315 pace for the marathon, so your body's got to be efficient doing that. So uh, I've probably do a lot of kind of continuous longer sessions targeted around that. Um, especially when I get close to the marathon. So at, probably at the moment, a typical week that I would have done would be um, two to three sessions a week. Um, anything, something like a 90-minute tempo run would be in there. Um, that's something that I've done a little bit at, a, at about marathon pace. Um, some kind of long running between two hours, two hours 40, um, two, probably two of them a week and then on easy days I've done a lot of like 80 minute jogs um, a few strides here and there to try and work on that um, that efficiency and some of those neuromuscular um, things because I do think that's important um, but I, I tend to as the marathon gets closer do more of that marathon stuff and try and my plan this time around was to run a good 10k in December and then off that base, kind of get really marathon specific, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, when you say like your easy jogs, what kind of K pace do you hit for those? Uh, so I'm someone that like if I need recovery, I'll take it. If I if I feel bad or if I feel like my session from the day before was brutal, then I'm happy to go out and run four fifties. But um, I tend to tend to jog along somewhere between four ten and four thirty pace. Um, I, I'm always a slow starter though, so my average doesn't really reflect the pace that I run. Probably take a few seconds off, but wh- when there's a time and a place for it, um, like I did this morning, for example, I ran 30k at 350s. Yeah, and was that bang out the door first k in 350 and held it, or did you work it down? 432 first k, which is probably the quickest first k that I can remember doing in the last couple of years. Um, and then second K would have been probably 402. So uh, for me, that's really into it early. Yeah. Um, so what about some of these big sessions? Um, all right. So some of the big ones you've knocked out and people have kind of found yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. This, um, this preparation, I haven't done so many that people have found unbelievable. I've kind of done a lot more at that 90 minute range. Um, which for me is now pretty standard. Um, Maybe people just get used to it. Yeah, in previous preparations, I did, I did a two-hour session where I alternated a minute um, solid with a thirty-second float for two and hours. So, yeah, so I did thirty-six k or so at three twenty pace, two hours. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty, pretty intensive. I've done. I did a, t- a 20 mile or 32k time trial um, before Fukuoka, and um, average 311s, which is like it's a lot quicker than or a bit quicker than race pace. But the loop I do it on, you know, I don't know if the Garmin's exactly accurate, and um, but you know, I compare my sessions around there, and that's the quickest I've done for 20 miles. And when I did that, people were kind of like, "Well, this guy's going to run 213." Yeah, yeah. But, so, know, but even that two hours, what is it? A mile you do a mile loop around yeah, the uni? 
Yeah, so I've got a it's about fifteen hundred and eighty, fifteen hundred and ninety meters. So hit laps around there for anywhere up to two hours. And yeah, you just can settle into that, doesn't it? Do your head in? Yeah, I find it because I'm used to it now. I find it it's where I need to go if I need to focus and settle in. Yeah. Um, and because I know I can hit good splits around there, um, I just I just like it. Um, I kind of look at other other training locations that I might go and run um, shorter sessions at, and I think, no, nah, I can't run I can't run 15k around there quick, so I'm just not going to go there today. And I yeah, for the most part, I've been able to hit some really good sessions around there, um, which and have continued to do so. Yeah, obviously works for you, so keep that up. What other kind of big sessions, mate? Um, so a lot of those kinds of ones. I've done done seven 4K reps with an 800 float, which is kind of similar to that, like around 35K distance. Um, and then I've probably just done some quick uh, some quick ones over 40 minutes and stuff. Like the, the session I did last Thursday when I got home from Falls Creek, I averaged 304 pace for 40 minutes, which um, although like the distance isn't that crazy, the pace for me was kind of a sign that, oh, okay, I'm in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I remember seeing it on Strava just thinking, um, yeah, how quick that was. So it's a good indication that your body responded well to the Falls Creek month. Yeah, can, considering where I was at beforehand, I did 40 minutes at about 3.22, so... Yeah. <laughs> took, a, took a good few minutes off there yeah no and that's got to give you heaps of confidence plus that um like run the bridge last week like you went past me at 9k and looked super strong and those two sessions the two weeks out from um the marathon got to give you heaps of confidence yeah it does and i, I found that summer can be a little bit harder um to hit every session in in winter i pretty much go nail most of my sessions whereas you know, some mornings it might be a little bit hot to kind of run to run 20k at desired pace. So you just got to try and try and take the positives out of each one. And I know this week on Tuesday and Thursday I was a little bit off compared to last week, um, probably due to either fatigue from the from the bridge on Sunday um, or the weather that we had. And then you know I went into um, my session yesterday and I really hit it well and. So that was just the kind of confidence that I need, but you need to trust that that um, if you have a one that's subpar, that it's all part of the process and you're still in good shape. Yeah, and that's pretty um, mature of you to say because I know in the past I've been a bit of a sucker for you might have two weeks of good sessions and you have one poor one and you, you let that poor one affect you mentally and kind of get yeah. you down and you think you're unfit. So um, to be able to do that's a good sign. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, it's about how you race. So, I know I've I've always been someone that trains well, and I I haven't really found that on race day I go to a new level. Um, so you do have to kind of know that you're training well, but um, when you don't when you don't have a good one, I think it's good to try and find some excuses as to why either fatigue or weather. Yeah, and I think you're right with the summer. Like you just seem to sweat more, and the heart rate's higher, and it's just so much harder to hit those mm. um, quality longer sessions. It's okay on the track, but yeah, big tempos yeah. are just shocking. Yeah, and as I'm as I'm very close to a marathon now, like all my sessions this week were over forty minutes, and so if it's hot, then that's a the kind of distance where it starts to have an impact. Yeah. 
Um, what about nutrition for those bigger sessions and marathon race day? Do you want to just tell us what you, you do there? Yeah, so for my sessions, I like to, um, for the long ones anyway, I like to put a couple of drink bottles out around the, the uni where I do my loop. Um, and if I, if I take two drink bottles out there, I'll usually take one, like one third of the way into the run and the next one two thirds of the way in, whatever the distance is. Um, I usually, for those sessions, will carry a gel or two in the pocket. Um, I was really focusing on on my nutrition in training sessions leading into my first few marathons, whereas now I've kind of got a bit more of a feel for it. I haven't really planned specifically what I'm going to do for each session. I just have them, and if I feel like taking one, then I do. Um, on race day, I've probably haven't nailed that to be honest and something that something that I want to get better at um, I find it hard to find the drinks that are yours um, so that's something that I want to improve in Lake BYR and from my last race in Japan I found that that um, I didn't get seated so I didn't get the drinks and stuff but for the people that did it looked really easy and so that's something I'm looking forward to next week is um, just putting a drink bottle out there um, some of them I'll have probably a gel in um, mixed with the water and then some I'll probably have some um, some SOS rehydrate in there. Um, probably alternate those throughout the race and then I'll probably carry a couple of gels in the back pocket as an emergency as well. Yeah, do you want to maybe, because I know I miss that sub-elite at Berlin, but, and the, but it was crazy going through the drink stations with people all over the road just trying to find their drinks. But... Um, you know, it's gonna be, hopefully there's going to be a lot of fun runners or people who have got no idea about um, what that's like being a, an elite or a sub-elite runner in, in a marathon, especially an international big marathon. So do you yep. want to maybe talk about like that process of, you know, getting to the race hotel and standing next to the Kenyans and drink yeah. stations and all that kind of stuff? Because that's quite intriguing for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. So... Um for the big marathons, they're all a little bit different, and you've got to you got to take your drinks to a certain drop-off point um, at a certain time, depending on the race. So usually that might be the night before they need to be in, and you you label them up with your name and your and your number and um, what K marker you want them at, and things like that. Um, and I found in races that is the hardest thing to try and find your bottle, um, but. As I said last time in Japan, they had a really good numbering system, where uh, and they had a lot of tables, and it looked really easy. So um, I'm hoping that's the case because it, when you're in when you're in a pack of a lot of runners and you see a drink station coming up and you're not exactly sure where your bottle is, um, it can be pretty easy to just think, Nah, I'm not even going to look for it and just keep running on down the road. Um, but it's it's interesting to see some of the Kenyans um, and Africans go about it. Uh, in Berlin, in the little tent before the race, um, got to see Bikili warming up, get his manager tying his shoelaces up for him, and um, and then even just the way they warmed up. So they went for a 20-minute jog at about, would have been six minute, six minute 30k pace at best. So just little things like that I found very interesting, and, um, and yeah, it's kind of insightful when you get that opportunity. Yeah, so six and a half minute warm up pace, then just bang straight into a two fifty five and holds that for forty two k. I know it's it's pretty strange. <laughs> like I I don't know whether to 
take any of that. I don't know if they're trying to save their energy or, and just warm the legs up or what the go is, but, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, what else? I've just got a few notes here, mate. What about some of these significant races? So you've represented Australia twice at the World Uni Cross yep. Country and yep. the World Uni Half. Do you want to maybe talk yep. about those two races? Yeah, so first opportunity to represent Australia was 2012 at the World Uni Cross. Um, not much of a cross-country runner, but took the opportunity and had a great experience. I think I got 42nd, which was, you know, I was quite pleased with that result. Um, and then qualified for the World Uni Games, which is, you know, people probably put it behind the Olympics, Com Games and World Champs as the fourth fourth biggest comp um, that a runner can do. So Yeah, this is an um you know, you're not going out racing the guys from O Week who are just <laughs> just just for a bit of fun. This is fair income competition. Yeah, it's I found it a lot different to the Oz Uni games to be honest. Um, <laughs> and the standards are hard to get into it too, isn't it? Like you gotta hit pretty yeah. pretty decent times. Yeah, so I found that the distance ones were a little bit softer than some of the other ones, but you know, you had to be elite to make the 100 metres there. You had to run 10-4 or something like that. So, you know, if you if you compare that, you, you've got pretty good athletes up there. And so in my half marathon, I was racing um, – the Japanese team were the strongest. Uh, I was racing five guys that had run 60 minutes for a half, which is, you know, as you know, pretty quick. Yeah. Um, and then a whole field of guys that had, you know, done some pretty big things and – it was a different race because it was in the heat, and you've got to you've got to adapt your race plans based on that. But um, I came through the field and ran ran strongly. Um, I think I was about fortieth through five k, then ended up in nineteenth, and I was ranked twenty seventh. So I said before the race, if I can scrape into the top twenty, I'm going to be um, really pleased with that result. And so I, I was really proud to to kind of get that result. Um, on a pretty big stage and that's when I kind of decided that it's time to move up to the marathon and try and take take advantage of some opportunities. Yeah, and with that step to the marathon, you touched on it before, that 25 and 30K track record leading yeah. into Berlin. Do you want to uh, just talk about talk about that for a while? Because I know you kind of went through a bad patch during the race that we've spoken about before and then it turned into record-breaking runs. Yeah, so my club, um, Utah's Athletics Club, kind of put the idea to me, like, Josh, do you want to you have a crack at some records? Um, you know, the, there's a Tassie record for 20, 25, and 30K on the track, um, as well as an Australian record for 25 and 30K on the track that could potentially be within your reach. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I, I'm regularly doing one-mile loops around the uni, hitting times that are pretty similar to the records and I was like yeah sure like it's gonna be tough but we'll give it a go and so I organized um, a couple of pacemakers to try and to try and help me out early on um, so Dougie Hammerlock took me through 6k um, and then by that stage he was confident that um, young Dijon Gebra Celesi could could help me out from there for a few k and so Dijon jumped around to the front and took me through 11ks um, went through my plan was to just sit on the Tassie 20k pace so I could kind of just nip under that without using any excess energy because the 20k pace was a little bit quicker than the 25 and 30 so kind of didn't want to get too far under that to fatigue me um, for the 30k and I was starting to get some 
starting to get some left leg pain at about the 15k mark, which you kind of mentally I start to think, oh, I'll just get this 20k record, get it out of the way, and it's still an okay run. So I went through 20ks in um, 103 something, which was just under the Tassie record by about 15 seconds. Yep. And then and then from there, I was like, nah, like that's it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to break these other records. So I just start to relax a bit. Um, probably put in a couple of three minute 20ks instead of instead of about 310, 311, which I had been running at that time. But then I got to 22 and I started doing the maths and I thought, okay, I could break this Tassie 25k record here. And so as I kept like as I kept ticking off the pace, I was like, okay, now the Aussie one's coming back into contention and um, probably a k out from that. I was like, okay, I'm going to break the national 25k record here. And so I think my 25th k was my quickest of the race. I ran, I think it was about a 305. Um, and just dipped under 80 minutes, which was, you know, a little bit of a barrier. I thought 79.56 sounded better than 80.01. Um, so I got that, broke Scotty Westcott's record, and then kind of that same process happened again. I was like, nah, I'm not going to break this 30K record, no way. And so I kind of shut down for a couple of K, run another few 320s or so, and then by the time I got to 27, did the maths again and thought, okay, I can break this record. And so I didn't pick it up as fiercely um, as I was able to for the 25, but I was able to kind of hold on and, and break the record. So, you know, that showed that physically I was in really good shape, but that 75 laps around the track was just mentally mind-blowing. Yeah, and that's coming from you who can yeah. usually be pretty good at going around in circles. Yeah, seeing that lap counter tick down from 75, by the time we got to 25, it's like, shit. Still got 25 to go. Did you yeah. ever think about pulling out? Oh well, the leg was leg was really sore, and it was get, getting worse. But it didn't seem to be affecting my performance, which was just good. So, and I think I had to finish the 30k to claim the records on route. So, you know, I had oh, to at least yep. jog it out anyway. Yeah, uh, that's good. Got a name in the record books. Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah that's. I was talking talking to my mate Dylan about it the other day and, you know, although I'm not at the level of some of the guys from the past and what they've done, to be in that record book, there are some amazing names in there, um, amazing Australian names as well as some of the all-comers records like El Garouge and things like that. So it's pretty cool to see your name there. Screenshotted it, printed it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Show the grandkids one day. Yeah. No, nah, it's a massive achievement. Um, I can't talk to you without talking about the beer mile. Yeah. Um, it's starting to get a bit of mainstream stuff as well. I know a couple of blokes in Echuca, like tagged me in a video of the beer mile a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I know the guy who's like the Australian record holder at this. This has been around for ages. But it's good because people are starting to notice it. Yeah, so I started started running beer miles in 2009 and um, – you know, from there, kind of started to improve, started to get a bit faster, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much the best in Australia at this. This is, And this was at a time where I probably wasn't at the level I am with my running now, so I was like, yeah, that's that's an accolade. That's cool. Um, so, Can I stop 20- you there? Do you just want to explain what it is first, just because some yeah. people will be thinking, what the heck's a beer mile? Yeah, so it's, it's a mile race um, on the track, so you start by drinking a, a bottle of beer, so it has to be 
355 mils or more and 5% alcohol content or more. Um, so you basically drink a beer just before the finish line and then you run 400 metres and then you do that four times. Yeah, insane. So then you kind of progressed and just kept going at it? Yeah, so I broke I broke the world record um, in 2012 and 13 and at that point, you know, I was starting to get a bit of bit of a name for myself around the world as that guy that has the BMI world record. And then um, it started to get bigger and bigger. And then the first sub five um, was achieved, uh, I think it was 2014, and it just started to go viral in North America, in the US and Canada. They love it. And so they started to, started to um, rack up some support for a world championship. So... FlowTrack were the first on board. They've had um, three world championships now, um, and there's another another race, the World Classic, which is run by a different organisation that's held in the middle of the year, um, and they've had two two now. So um, there's a bit of a scene for BMI around the world, and um, I've went to one of each of those events. It's it's a little bit tricky getting from Oz over there when it's so close for pretty much all of the other good guys in the world but it's something that I found I've been able to get you know a lot of promotion for and you know helps the sponsors and just get your name out there a bit more than someone who's run the same track times as you yeah yeah and you've supported it from day one like even those ones at Melbourne Uni like you were always a big promoter of those events and it's good to see you now being on flow track over in the states and being able to stream that live yeah definitely um it's, I've been slightly disappointed in where the sport's progressed in Australia over the last probably four years. Like it's, it's probably stayed at the same level or even dropped off just because of some of the legal stuff to do with the BMI. But, you know, over in North America, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And um, so, as I said, they've got their world championships and I finished fifth um, this year at Flow Track Worlds, which was a pretty solid result. And then came back and took a took another chunk off the Australian record um, on a wet, very, very windy day, mind you. So it's probably a few more seconds there as well. Yeah, and then what's to next? Is there another World Champs coming up? So um, this is probably a little bit funny, but the, the World Classic was held in London last year on a track because they found insurance and stuff a little bit easier um, over there. So... I believe they're having the world champs in London as well, and the the beer mile is six days after the marathon world champs. Yeah, right. So the so, idea, yeah. So ideally, ideally, I'll be there for the marathon, and then you know, all guns will be blazing into that. But you know, if I'm in London and there's a beer mile six days after a marathon, <laughs> then you can be pretty sure that I'll be on the start line. Um, and then, regardless, I'll probably go over to that anyway, and watch world champs so yeah awesome would fit in well what about um we're kind of talking about racing internationally and jumping in all these on these flights to get to these races how does a work-life balance look so obviously a school teacher yep yep so i've been been pretty lucky um that you know i haven't done a whole lot of work in my life so far but i've still been able to to fund myself to get over get overseas a few times so i think in the last two and a half years, I've done 10 trips, which is um, pretty good because at the moment I'm relief teaching, but I haven't taught for three months. So 
kind of when I do a bit of teaching, I try and save my money really well, and that's something that something I've always been really good at is um, just saving every penny. And lucky enough that I still live at home, so got a good support network there, and most of the most of the cash that I get from the relief teaching pretty much goes straight into the international travel funds. Yep, so really chasing your dream because, like, yeah, yeah, I know I've kind of done the opposite. I started teaching and then you can't fit in the runs because you're too busy teaching. Let's, um, yeah, and I think looking back and you look at the way you've set yourself up, it's you've given yourself every opportunity to, to reach your running potential. Yeah, yeah, running's, running's always been my passion and, you know, I know I'm not at the level of, of some of the top-class guys in the world but, you know, there's opportunities there and it's the thing that I enjoy doing most and, you know, I, I can work until I can work until I die pretty much. So I'm just kind of dipping the toes in the water with work and saving enough money that I can fund what I want to do. Um, I did teach full-time the first year out of uni and I just found I could do all of the things that, that I wanted to do, as, as I'm sure you, you know, but it was just tough and I, I wasn't as happy as, as what I was um, when I was still at uni, even though I was... You know, starting to get a bit more money into the account, my actual happiness was quite a bit less. So, kind of decided I'd take a step back and use the excuse that I'm trying to qualify for the Olympics. And um, it's definitely, definitely what I've enjoyed doing at the moment. And so I've kind of stuck with it. And um, at the moment, can we'll plan to stick with that kind of routine for a little while yet. Hundred percent agree, mate. I think we are had a bit of a D&M over a couple of beers in Paris after Berlin last year, exactly the same stuff that, you know, that money doesn't buy that happiness if you can't do what you're passionate about. Yeah, that's it. And I've always been, you know, a pretty social person through the, and obviously with the beer mile and stuff like that. And I found that when I went into that first year of full-time work, the social life just kind of dropped off the planet pretty much. It's funny you bring that up because I said to Carla yesterday that I'm going to be interviewing you today and if she had any questions and that was what she asked. She said, ask Josh why he's so um, happy and he's such a fun person to be around because, and I think it's true, you could ask any distance runner in Australia and they'd just say how good of a bloke you are and how you're always happy and you've got a smile on your face and good to be around. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, oh, appreciate- Carly's words, not mine. Yeah, I'll, but I agree. Ali, yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate that. I've always been someone that's that's been pretty happy. Um, so I don't know. Try not to. I, I haven't really had too many things that have um, made me sad over the years. But um, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're spot on though. Like, there's no good, you know, working super hard through your twenties and early thirties and getting to forty and saying, "Well, I wish I had a crack at running a fast marathon," because the body just yeah. won't be able to do it. Yeah, definitely. And back on the back on the social side of things, kind of right now, you know, you've got to do a bit of reflecting as well and think, oh, okay, I haven't seen like some of these mates for a while. And things change from from when you're at your uni days to when you're at your running days. And you know, that's something that right now I'm probably probably going to look towards kind of um, reconnecting with quite a few mates that I haven't talked to for a while. Um, just getting that side of life back up to where it could be again as well. Yeah, I know I'm the same boat. Most of my mates are banging out kids now. It's um. It's quite scary how quick life progresses. It is, it is. All right, mate. What about, um, I've just got a few more notes down here, injury prevention. Like you've been that good at holding, you know, 220K weeks, 
hardly ever get injured. I think you sprain your ankle when you try to jump fences after having a few beers. But other than yeah. that, um, what's your secret there? Yeah, I think I think there are a couple of things. Um, I've had a really nice progression in terms of my workload. I was probably doing just running a couple of times a week for fun when I was a kid. By 18, I was probably doing 80K a week, probably 120 by 21, and then it's just been a gradual progression. But I certainly don't think that's all of it. I think, um, you know, some of it's natural and probably biomechanical. You see people break down all the time, and, um, you know, a lot of them, they might have some biomechanical issues or, you know, they might they might just not have the strength um, that you get when you run quite a high mileage. I feel like... I feel like when I'm up and going like I am now, that there's pretty much um, touch wood, nothing that can, nothing that can kind of stop me. I feel like, I feel like it's when you have those little breaks and stuff that where you can become a little bit vulnerable. So, for me, um, just just keeping running is probably the number one thing. But also just not being stupid about things. So if I have a big day. You know, I'll have an easy day the next day and I'm not afraid to go out and run five-minute Ks if I need to. Um, I'm someone that, you know, unlike many others, I don't really get massages um, unless I've got something that's wrong with me. So I've been kind of lucky that I don't really rely on those and I find that just going out for a gentle jog can kind of fix me up and, and keep me in good nick. Do you spend much time on the foam roller? Nah, none. Yeah. My um my mate who's a physio, um, I just got a bit of precautionary treatment before the Cadbury Marathon and the fall stint because he was around and, and he said he'd um, do it for free, which is a big plus. Um, so I went up to him and he's like, oh yeah, you might you might want to get on the foam roller because I had you know slightly saw ITB for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh, I don't don't have one, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's insane, though, to think, like, you're the fifth best marathoner in Australia and financially it's hard to get a massage. Like, it's... Yeah. And I know it's because our sport doesn't have the media attention or the money, but, yeah, you think of the fifth best um, Australian cricketer or AFL footballer or soccer player and they're um, multimillionaires and got the best resources anyone could ask for. Yeah, that's it's exactly right. And you always compare yourself to, to the footballers and just think how how much better financially they get it. But um, you know, like like I said, I kind of saved my money up to go on the international trips and a bit scared to fork it out unless I feel like I really need to. Yeah, Ben, you have got some good sponsors as well. Do you just want to tell us a bit about them? Yeah, definitely. They've been have been great, um, and especially. Especially in the first few years when I was still at university and I didn't have a cent to my name because I didn't work through uni and um, I've had a pretty haven't had a, a great upbringing in terms of being financially secure. So yeah, Brooks Running have helped me so much through that. Uh, I've been on board with them since 2011 and um, they've given me all my running gear, which is fantastic and been a, a great supporter. And um, also Van Diemen Brewery jumped on board last year for my beer mile um and for my running as well and so they've been really supportive with um providing some financial help to get over to to uh, help get over to the world champs and also with the training product as well which the boys think's pretty cool um so yeah they're my they're my two major sponsors at the moment so they've they've been fantastic can you buy that outside of tassie like at dan murphy's and stuff 
Uh, it's at Dan Murphy's. I'm not 100% sure whether it's at Dan Murphy's um, outside of Tasmania, but probably would be. Um, it's yeah, it's quite a it's quite a good beer, like a, a craft beer that they've been on the on the Tassie scene for about 10 years now. So they've they're kind of a bit ahead in the game, so to speak. And so yeah, they've got a good reputation and they're doing good things. Tastes better than that one after Berlin, about 10 minutes after the finish line that you sculled. The non-alcoholic, yeah. Non-alcoholic in the massive pint. Yeah, that was that was no good. No, no good at all. <laughs> um, you did much better at it than I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> For the people that don't know, when you finish the Berlin Marathon, there's a, you know, you walk through and get your photo taken by about 15,000 photographers trying to sell your photos, and then they've got a bit of food and drink, and they had this non-alcoholic beer in this massive pint and um yeah josh just went straight up and scaled the pint and that was that was the end of that one good, good skills to have yeah, um, had to do it once like, yeah the yeah. lady lady wasn't real happy with it though well you went back for seconds <laughs> she's like no no, yeah. no. <laughs> we've got forty thousand people about to come through here you can't have two um <laughs> What about pre-race food? Like, what's the meal before, or the night before, or the morning of a marathon? Yeah, I um, I just like to have something pretty standard. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need to have pasta, um, before a race. But if pasta's there, then I'll have a pasta. Um, I'm still trying to, still trying to work out what works best for me. Um, and it depends on the time of the marathon as well because. Um, they, some of these Japanese ones start about midday, so you you kind of get a chance to eat a fair bit in the morning as well. Um, so if you're racing with an early start time, then you'll you'll have a big dinner the night before. Of you know you'll try and get some carbs in, and then that breakfast you'll try and get down a few bits of toast and a banana or something. But when you've got a race starting at midday, you you probably have to alter that that morning meal a little bit to kind of you know, be a little bit more filling, provide a little bit more energy for, for the race that's going to be in store. Yep. And are you travelling with anyone to Lake Biwa? Um, I'm travelling solo, but um, Australian Jack Colreavy is going as well. So, you know, I don't know what will happen in terms of runs before it or hanging out before it, but, um, yeah, this time, this time I am going over on my own trying to get the job done. Yeah, and just in and out, or are you going to stick around there for a while? Nah, just just this time, just in and out really quickly. Um, just kind of, I know I'll be back to Japan in the future for a, you know a longer long stint, but I just wanted to go in, race, um, run my time, and then head home. There's also another reason for that as well, being that um, our state champs are two weeks later, and I want to win the 5K again, so I don't want to be overseas for too long. We must touch on that as well because you've got how many state titles in Tassie? Uh, I think I think twenty eight now. Twenty eight times. Yeah, so um, over a range of events and the five k is my big streak. I've got eight in a row. Yeah. So even though normally I'd have a bit of a break post marathon, I just want to keep want to keep pretty fit in that two weeks so I can try and win number nine. So you just jog the you know the week after then just do a few bit of speed the week after that and bang it yeah. out. Yeah. I think so, but in the past I've probably only done like 20k the week post marrow whereas this time I'd definitely want to be doing more. Yeah. Um, Rightio, what about, have you got any mantras or anything you live by? Any like sayings or anything like oh, that? 
it's an interesting one. I, I do tend to say a few times, get it done. Like I'm someone that, you know, regardless of what's happened, I always like to, you know, and or tell people to go, just go and get it done. So, you know, if that's banging out your long run on a Sunday morning um, when you don't feel like it or if you've had a few beers on the Saturday night, it's like, nah, just get out there as soon as you can, get it done, get it over with um, so you don't have to think about it again. That's probably that's probably the main one. Yep, and that's not a bad one to have when you're 35K into a marathon either. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, probably the other one is just it's all about consistency. That's, that's pretty much all for most runners, the fundamental thing that's going to get you the results that you want. Yeah, 100%. I tell a few people that I coach the same thing. Um, you know, It's not about one or two sessions. It's about you know, two or three okay sessions a week for 12 months and then two years and then five years or whatever just to build that massive base of that consistency. Yeah, exactly right. What about any routines? Like do you have a coffee at a certain time or meditate or anything like that? Yeah, not much of a not much of a coffee drinker um, before a race. So, but I do have I do have a bit of t- like a timing because um, I do take some caffeine before I start. Um, also, got a f- couple of little other things like I, I do some beetroot shots as well. Um, but, so that's probably my only routine before a race is kind of timing those things um, where I want them. But apart from that, um, and and the warm up, of course, every Every serious runner kind of knows when they need to warm up before a race, depending on um, whatever the hassles are, start, starting situation, rooms, uh, things like that. And they're probably the main things that I have. Yeah, and um, but you've also got to be flexible in that, don't you? That if something doesn't go right on race morning, you know, if you do three, you can only fit in three k instead of five k, or you got to be able to think flexibly around. Um, not letting that affect you, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. You've got to, you just got to try and focus on the job at hand. So, you know, in marathons, you can have some some dilemmas in terms of the start line, and I've had had my fair share of them. Um, so you just got to try and try and let that let that go, and just do what you can once the gun starts. Yeah, for sure, mate. Well, best of um, best of luck for this time next week. I reckon you'll be just about. Oh, did you say it's mid-afternoon or lunchtime? Starts at 2.30 Oz time, so yeah, pretty much probably 40 minutes in. Yeah, 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 you'd be just getting ready to get the halfway split. Um, <laughs> where's the best way, place to follow you online, Strava? Yeah, so got a good following on Strava. About uh, a million followers on Strava. Yeah, I don't actually know how you follow someone on Strava apart from typing their name or finding mutual followers, but apart from that... Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm underscore Josh Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. Um, they're probably the, probably the best ways. Your website's good too to have a look at those old blogs and um, yeah, a few old photos and stuff like that. Yeah. I had a good geezer that yesterday. Yeah, I don't I don't use it so much for other people. I kind of use it as more a scrapbook for myself. So, like occasionally I do post a link link up there, but um, yeah, I think that's just joshharrisrunning.com. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you. It's pretty, um, it's pretty good to sit with one of the best runners in Australia and kind of get an insight into training and racing and all that stuff. So there's plenty of pearls of wisdom there to uh, that anyone can use for their running, I guess. Maybe not the 220K week straight away, but um, some really good tips and advice. 
Uh, always good to chat to you, mate. No, no worries at all. Hopefully, I can um, can sit with you in a race sometime soon post marathon. We'll have to we'll have to sort something out. Yeah, sounds good. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for that. No worries. go that was uh josh harris one of australia's best marathon runners and over every distance like we spoke about um really grateful that he gave up an hour of his sunday afternoon especially with three days before he flies out and a week before the lake by marathon couldn't uh meet a nicer guy josh is a legend puts in super hard work training and really deserves to have a good marathon next weekend over in japan really hope that he can get under that two hours 19 qualifying standard and get himself on that australian team because you won't find a bloke who's uh, worked harder than josh given up sacrificed a lot of things he spoke about that in his career and um you know depending if you're just a just a fun runner or just starting out there's a really good insight to what it takes to be able to run good times over a variety of distances and to really persist with something you're passionate about I love the fact that he's kind of put his career on hold to uh, pursue running. Takes a lot of guts and obviously financially makes it difficult for him. So, um, you know, really we'll be, I'll be in his corner this time next Sunday watching closely and crossing my fingers that he has a good run. Uh, that was a good first episode. I'm stoked to be able to bring that to you. Uh, over the next month, I've got some really good guests lined up, a few more elite runners and a few... Yeah, prominent people from Echuca Moama. I won't say too much now, but really excited about what's to come. Thanks for listening. Hope that wasn't too sketchy. We're just kind of doing this with a microphone and my, my laptop out of my study in my house. But yeah, it's good fun and kind of exciting and yeah, fun to be able to just talk to people and hear their stories for an hour. Cheers.
you want me to know And even when I'm feeling low I still feed the seeds that you taught me to sow So believe the choices you made were right Don't let what ifs keep you awake at night Someone new now But it was you who first showed me how Introduction and closing music by Zebrot. Song titled On Fire. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.